0: Hello and welcome to Who's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we've seen Ken Loach's possibly last film. He's 87 years old now, um, which is a reasonable time to stop. And he said this might be his last film. It's called The Old Oak. Uh, We saw his last film Sorry We Missed You for Mm. the podcast Um, And we both liked it on balance, but, you know, issues here and there, I think, as we tend to do with Ken Loach, but we liked it. That was his film about the gig economy, Mm. amongst other things. Um, And before that, before we started doing the podcast, we had seen I, Daniel Blake together, which was a film that kind of re-catapulted him into people's minds, I think. Mm. It it was quite big.
1: It certainly made an impact, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: so you fondly remember, at the end of that film we saw it with, there was an audience of maybe 10 people, roughly. Um... And that was the film about, um, about the benefit system set in um, Newcastle. And at the end of the film, uh, when everyone, we were getting up to leave, one guy, three or four rows behind us, stood up and said loudly, we are the fifth richest economy in the world and this is a disgrace. Yes. I remember exactly what he said. He
1: was so angry. Yeah.
0: Um, and I was and-
1: so impressed, you know, that a film should... Get get that effect. Right, Right, bring that out of something. Yeah, Yeah. Um, So it kind of... It made me rethink uh, Loach a little bit because I've never liked him. I always thought he was too preachy, too didactic. Mm. Not visually... Not poetic with his visuals. Yeah. It felt like you were being clobbered over the head with things you already know.
0: (laughs) He's visually fairly blunt and... I suppose in some sense you could maybe say objective, but I think that's to me, that would be another way of saying, as you say, he's not poetic. He's not finding insightful, imaginative ways of showing things. It's telling.
1: He doesn't dramatise visually, that's mm. for sure.
0: So this film... Um, or sonically. So the film is about uh, Syrian refugees and one family in particular who are relocated to a town in County Durham. We're not told exactly where. It might as well be a fictional town. Um other places are kind of mentioned, but um we're not given. we're just told at the start of the film the north of England.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a former mining town, which is important. As they all are. <laughs> In are
0: they? Yeah, yeah, it's heavy mining basically anywhere everywhere kind of I mean really anywhere, but especially north of kind of the Watford Gap had a mining community associated okay. with it. Um and and especially the further north you go. Um and yeah the former mining community aspect comes into the film because the film draws a parallel or a connection between um, the Syrian refugees who have been forced by circumstances to escape the Assad regime to to move to Durham and the former mine communities who work there. And this one particular thing about when you eat together, you stick together. Mm. And so in the back room of this pub, the Old Oak, which is where um, our main character... I said, because our main character is not a Syrian refugee, our main character owns the pub mm. and he befriends um, the family. Um, and in the back room of this pub, which has been closed for ages, there are all these photos um, from you know, the uh, 1980s um, minor strikes, and people sat together, congregated in that room, eating together. And it was a thing about solidarity. Yes. And the film very effectively, I think, draws this parallel. It, it says exactly the same thing. We all eat together. And then Yara, who is the uh, young woman who he is closest to, um, says pretty much the same thing, that when we we're in the Syrian camps, this is, we did exactly the same thing. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. Um, I mean, I, th- I found that very effective. I found quite a lot of the film very effective, actually. Did you? I was wondering what you think about it because I I can uh, never really tell if it's going to be, Oh, I love this or I couldn't stand it with you.
1: Well, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was very blunt. I thought it was, um, him giving you information of things you already know. Hmm. I found that the only, I mean, I can't disagree with any of it. I agree with all his politics, but, you know, as an aesthetic experience of the cinema, I found it very lacking, mm-hmm. right? Um, the moment that most affected me was the killing of his dog and his response to it. Mm. And that's about the cheapest trick in the book in terms of, you know, storytelling. Like, you know, you kill the dog and, you know, yeah. and everyone responds. You know, and that is what I responded to most in this film, where really I should have been responding you know, to, to the Syrian refugees or the pub owner or, you know, and I, I kind of, uh, I I, I mean,
0: it it didn't make me angry, mm-hmm. you know. The, the, uh, you didn't feel manipulated. Is that the kind of thing that would have, that you would be thinking would make you angry?
1: Yes, um, though, though, the Lotus films have made me angry for other reasons. Sure. I mean, you know, I think everybody hates who be preach to, you know, uh, particularly by people who you feel no less than you do about the subject, right? And sometimes with his, fi- well, certainly with his Spanish film, I felt that way, right? Mm. You know, he just come across as like Mr. Know-it-all, really. On the other hand, you know, what I do value is that you get the sense that these are real stories, real speech, you know, that I'm not even saying the working class, it's really the sub-prol, yeah, people with no jobs, yeah, who are poor.
0: Yeah, I mean you basically in this film see no one working. Exactly. And it's not to say that none of them have jobs. And I think one the character mentioned he's got a cleaning job a couple of hours a week, you see an electrician who's obviously employed. But for the most part, this is people who are on their pensions or on the dole and they are day drinking and and mm. we don't have a, they're not working. Yeah. I suppose the pub owner as well is working. That's it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um but it's like it's a kind of a sub pro community mm. that is really nowhere else heard uh, and and certainly nowhere else heard so systematically over the years as you see in loach's films and i really value that Mm. and not only that but i really value the combination you know because there is such a little englander mentality across the country even where you least expect it and kind of you know uh middle class academics and so on it it's really strong i find you know as a foreigner myself, it's it's you know, uh uh it's 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 there. Uh so I think one of the things that I value in uh Loach's career is that the local and a voice, you know, for the working class or even the sub proletariat is somehow always tied into an internationalism. Right? Yeah, so you know, it's it's about Guatemalan cleaners and Syrian refugees and, mm. yeah, kind of, you know, the films often connect with events that are happening elsewhere that obviously affect the local, right? Mm. So that is very unusual, uh, and I also uh, value it. Um, so, and, and then there are some films that I think, um, de- you know, deeply affected me. Um, so, what was it, the wind in the barley?
0: The wind that shakes the barley. I thought
1: I thought that was very beautiful. Which one, the palm door? Yeah. Um, so, so you know, it's almost like you have one idea of Loach, and then your experience of watching it affects you in unexpected ways, right? Like. Mm-hmm you know and i daniel blake and even in that uh the last one that sorry part, we missed you and sorry we missed you i mean i think there were moments that i found deeply moving Yeah, you know, like it yeah. That really affected me uh this one again i kind of yeah it's it's work that makes you think because i do think it's cliched you know i think it's didactic right uh i think you know I personally don't feel I'm learning anything from it. I mean, you know, Louis mm-hmm. just happens to share my politics, right? Um, I, you know, if the effect is to convey an experience or truths or whatever to an audience, well, you know, he, um, the audience that I'm sure he's hoping to reach is certainly not going to be reached at the cinema. It might be reached on television, if if they can bother to watch it, because, you know, the I mean, I can't imagine um an ordinary audience kind of sitting through this type of film pleasurably it moves too slow it's too talking heads you know it doesn't have set pieces or even narrative high points right like kind of you know Mm -hmm. um i think it's i think it's kind of visually boring sonically boring you know uh it's 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 not shot in an interesting way so you yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it may play well on television. It's certainly a film I can imagine like Channel Four going the premiere of Ken Lo- the T V premiere of Ken Loach's latest. Yeah. I can imagine. And I think well, I can imagine. and I and I don't think I don't think it's as slow as you suggest. Um, I also was surprised at how um, how joyful it was at, at points. I mean one thing that I think you, you expect from Loach, certainly the cliche of Loach, is just misery upon misery. That's um,
1: pretty miserable.
0: There is there is misery <laughs> in here, certainly, um, but uh, you also get a you get quite a lot of. I mean, you start off with this thing of the the, the family arriving, um, and the the girl Yara is a photographer, and she's she. The film starts off with her photographs of the thing that you're hearing narrated. Mm. I mean, that is a little bit of aesthetic flair sure. in a film that doesn't have very much of it, um, and then it becomes a live action scene and. Uh, a guy who is not keen on um, uh, foreigners foreigners (laughs) joining his town. And he's not even from there. He's from Scotland, as someone points out at one point. Like, you're not a local either. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He he basically takes the camera and ends up smashing it. It's not quite an aggressive attack, but he definitely doesn't care what he's doing. Mm. And he's taking liberties, and the camera ends up broken. Um, So you start off with, you know, basically outright racism and misery. But once... Yara goes to see the pub owner. What, what is his name? Um, TJ, isn't it? And they start to develop this this friendship. You all of a sudden you just start getting. I, I just I felt happy when they were together on screen. I, I I liked their relationship. I thought. What I mean, it also then ends up going. I think so far that, like the like the Syrian family are just perfect people, right? Like they, they can't possibly do any wrong. They they're presented that way. That you know, and and anything. Um, bad is kind of something that happens to them, and I'm not saying that like they should be bastards or anything. Like that, but there's not there's not a lot of complexity in their depiction. No. They are just pure victims yeah. um, of obviously the,
1: the crisis too, of- and plucky and strong because she stands up for herself and goes to ask for money to get her camera fixed from the guy who broke it. Right. Yeah. So there's a pluckiness and a strength, and it's all virtues. Yeah. So like,
0: but that's so on the one hand, that is really basic kind of character construction and storytelling. On the other hand, there was a certain pleasure in, in seeing kind of certain joys and things represented. The thing about, you know, going around to the house and serving tea and just getting to know them. It's like, it's not a, a complex scene, but it was very nice to see. I like sure. that. I think I, that's kind of, that's not,
1: I think the film, like kind of, I welcome and I agree with it. I do think that there is something about people eating together. Um, and I also think that things only ever get done collectively, right? Or in a collective setting, uh, including things I think that you wouldn't expect to, you know, like I think even writing, which is very solitary, it needs a context, you know, kind of it needs like editors and publishers and, you know, people who circulated and printers and, you know, like kind of nothing comes out of an individual alone or a monadic mm. kind of individual. Um So I like, you know, I like that depiction of a socialist politics, that it's about people coming together and doing things and, you know, they have more strength than they think they do. And I mean, I believe in all of that. I do think that the way that it's dramatized, is too pat, it's too easy, Mm. it's too naive. I mean, certainly those communities would have to go, you know, through a lot more trials you know then you see the picture here before kind of coming together in the way that they do mm. um i kind of
0: i certainly don't end up buying it um at the end when they all go and visit the family oh that was such an just icky lost their sequence like i kind of i i did i i believe stuff up until then even though as you say it was kind of packed um but that's the point at which i thought no you've stretched this a little too far I, this isn't realistic anymore yeah. you
1: know you see what i would have liked is a more conventional drama, more visually and sonically interesting, that's focused on the friendship between TJ, the pub owner, and is it David, his racist friend. Sure. Right? Uh,
0: who, uh, his old friend, uh, Charles, I think. Okay, Charles Charles. Uh,
1: who they've grown up together, they're lifelong friends, yeah. you know, and they really think alike in so many ways. And then one of them, there's something kind of really nasty yeah that you get a feeling is against his very his own beliefs really mm. right and then all the syrian stuff happening as background context yeah mm. kind of you know that to me would be kind of a lot more interesting whereas here the focus is on you know the community kind of interloping and yeah uh and how eating together makes the communities come together which, you see, I believe, but I don't. I mean, you know, kind of the proof that we have of life in Britain is that actually there's very little intermingling or seepage or, mm. yeah, that kind of, you know, you have, like, uh, Sikh communities that yeah, stick together and Hindu communities that stick together. And
0: and then you have the white British community that will just eat Indian food. But yes. not with Indian cessation. Yes, they'll go to an
1: Indian <laughs> restaurant, but, you know... I I I personally don't see much much mingling really. Mm. I mean, you go on a train and you know, kind of, you see kind of a bunch of Asian girls together and and so on. You very rarely see, you know, uh, uh, other things. I mean, I'm not saying they don't exist, but that is not to me kind of no, no.
0: Really. You know,
1: uh, so I think the film could have been kind of much, you know, much more complex. And actually, I think it needs to have been. And you know, and cinema is so great because you could suggest those complexities. You don't have to spell every fucking little thing out, mm. which I think Ken Loach does. Also, there are some things that he deals with in some level but not others. So a lot of the attacks I thought it was interesting that you see them through social media, right? Mm. But actually, you see very little of the organizing through social media, right? It's like, So they're talking about kind of places where they can do things. You know, they're talking about, and they're still referencing to physical space churches. Yeah. yeah, pubs, whatever, the community center that was closed, you know. And kind of I was surprised that a lot more of that kind of thing didn't just happen, for example, through text.
0: I, I was amazed. I mean, this really occurred to me. But I thought, people are just constantly fucking knocking on doors. And I just thought, just just fucking ring ahead. like, mm. like I, would, I couldn't deal with it if people kept coming around all day knocking on my door going, I need a word immediately. Text me, ring me. Mm. I don't know why they're not. They've yeah. got phones. Um, they're, they're all on Facebook.
1: Yeah, so... so,
0: But I suppose that's also a way, Like, I mean, from a filmmaking perspective, that's a way of creating a scene is someone shows up and then you have a scene with the two of them together. But um, it did strike me as uh not not very realistic not very plausible like it's just not how these interactions happen so much in real life anymore
1: and also not elegant and so on i mean you know you could you could have dramatized the same thing visually through text or montages or i mean you Mm. know kind of just going door to door first of all it feels false and then it's also dull and yet here's ken loach I think quite a solitary voice, right, in his doggedness in his leftism in his pro working class yeah uh is it fair to say almost a unique voice, yeah, like I mean it's not that there're not other left wing filmmakers in Britain, of course, or that you know there there are other works that focus on the working class, you know, but I think uh kind of Ken Loach and Mike Lee stand out right. Mm um do any
0: others have their level of recognition um, well
1: i think the question also is because ken loach and mike lee are revered abroad certainly in france and i would argue in spain you know which is what i know right. right and held in much higher esteem than they are here in britain right so you know so is there is there something
0: that french
1: audiences and critics for example are saying that were not seeing
0: but did they just love British misery
1: I you know I I remember having this vivid memory of seeing sweet 16 in a cinema in Paris and they all loved it right they, and they were responding to everything. And my feeling was that they just love seeing the British be miserable, you know, kind of, and poor and drug addicted and alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) That was my thesis. Yeah. Or my conclusion, you know? Um, So, so, but I think obviously there has to be more than that. And with Mike Lee, I kind of, I get it. Right. Uh, With Ken Loach, I mean, I'm much less convinced and I think the reason why, I mean, I really do share a lot of Ken Loach's politics, you know, and I'm so glad to hear these voices and all the things that I said earlier about kind of, you know, linking the local with, you know, kind of the international and so on. But I do, I do think the films are didactic and predictable, uh, and, um, to me, well, it's ridiculous to say they, they, you know, they, they, they don't work as cinema, you know, because obviously they do to some audiences and they are films, right? And you could say, well, it's a different aesthetic and it's a different way of making them and, you know. Um, but, you know, for me, I've never had, like, a great aesthetic experience through one of his films.
0: It's not a film that will challenge you, ultimately. There's not a thing in it that I couldn't have expected. And, and or to be expected to be done in the way that it was, you know. And like, and so, so when you see that the um, those bloody great big bully dogs, which are you know, in the press they're very lately. much in the news now, yeah. Um,
1: bully, uh,
0: but literally, yeah, bullying <laughs> and yeah. going off the lead. And and he's got this tiny little dog, you kind of know later on
1: what's going to happen, they're,
0: they're going to come back together, you know. When the thing about um, getting the back room together like i mean there are so, there are so many things that, to predict one of them is that when uh all the racist mates as i will call them for ease of <laughs> pointing out who they are um when they want to use that back room which has been closed for 20 years for a meeting about you know what are we going to do about the Syrians basically mm. um pub owner tj declines um and he initially declines when yara and what is the name of the sort of charity? Oh, no, I think Laura. Mm. Um, I think. They asked to use it, and he he also declined. I didn't, I didn't see him declining immediately, but he does on a basis that... Like, essentially on a basis that I don't want to get too involved, and if I do, then my regulars will leave. Mm. Um, but then he does open it up, and that becomes this meeting space and, and shared uh, eating space.
1: Which is... An underdeveloped point, because to me, you see that would be a main point, and that is kind of like a moral and ethical dilemma i mean
0: that's where the most interest film, uh, most interest in the film was for me was, was his development into someone who was doing something yeah. and how long it would take him, and what were the reasons that he would or wouldn't. Yeah. Those were the most interesting parts, and I agree that they, they, they weren't developed enough. It was saying that you had to to read into him hmm.
1: um, I mean imagine somebody losing their livelihood. I mean, I think however much, you know, I might want to help yeah. a cause, if it means kind of losing your livelihood, you find other ways of helping, right? Like kind of, you know, it's not that you that you wouldn't help it, but you find other ways of helping it that wouldn't mean that you'd lose your livelihood. Mm. I think all of those things were erased too easily. And the same with, you know, turning down their friend. I understand that you don't want some racist using... You know, uh, you don't want the the back of your pub used to fan the flames of racism. Mm. You know, on the other hand, you are compromising like forty years of friendship and your, you know, your regular customers. So you have to find a way of like not letting it happen that doesn't alienate them completely, right? Like, I, I just thought those yeah, those... well he
0: tries to, doesn't he? I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing that could have been developed. He tries to. So so the reason that he gives for not opening it up. Is it's not safe? I haven't got insurance back there. You know the the, the pipes are fucked, the electrics fucked, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is, then becomes the same reason that he gives to Yara and Laura. Mm. Um, but then what happens is they go, okay, we will fix this up then, right? Something that's his dog dies, isn't it? And that's mm. when he decides he's got to do something. Yeah. Uh, I think that's when that happens. Um, and so he goes, right? We're going to fix it up then. Like, never mind the fact the electrics are fucked. We will get them unfucked. Mm. Um, and so you go, okay, this was a reasonable excuse at the start when he gave it to his, his regulars. Now it's not anymore. I want to see the confrontation happen between them. And it sure. doesn't.
1: and it doesn't. You know. So, so this thing of the racist sabotaging the plumbing and so on, you know, that comes as a revelation later. you never, you never see it take place. You never see it even planned or there's no tension created around it. I mean, there's just so many kind of loose ends, which to me is a, is a form of bad cinema, right? Like the young kid who, uh, ends up at the banquet or whatever it's called or the event where there's food, Mm. you know, who ends up waiting in the backyard. Who is he?
0: Yeah. I think you hear his name, I think he's Max and he's mentioned a couple of times, but I didn't get a, a strong read on what his storyline was.
1: Yeah, who is he in relation to the other characters in the film? I, mean, I have the, no idea. The
0: one thing that I that I read into that scene was he doesn't want to be seen there because his mates will accuse him of associating with the Syrians. Yeah. So I I guess he must have been there.
1: He must have been one of the kids beating up the Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But really wasn't singled out visually. No. I mean I I I couldn't tell who he was. And of course he's meant to be representative Of a group. There are meant to be many others like him. Mm. Yeah. That are hungry. Yeah. And would appreciate the food. But don't want to be seen in a place with. You know. People from Syria. Yeah. But I thought that was just kind of badly written really.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Because that's the other thing. is He's one of the. They they talk about this isn't just for. Syrians. This is for. The local kids in the area. Especially. Who. Whose parents have to choose between. Feeding them. Or keeping the heating on. Mm. Like they need something to eat as well. And this, this. To benefit everybody. And so. Yeah, he's one of them, but um, it's it's not a, a a strongly told story strand. Hmm. Um,
1: also, you know, and maybe this will come later, but you know, because I think Ken Loach is a special case, right? And you know, as I said, he is very highly respected abroad. Um, he's very important historically in Britain kind of, you know, for all you know, kind of cares and so on. I mean, his films have had a social impact. Um, but I'm thinking, do you know of anyone who is like a Ken Loach fanatic who rewatches his films obsessively and who's the object of a cinephile passion?
0: Um, no. Me neither. Um,
1: it's, it is just strange. You know that someone who is such an important because usually to be an important filmmaker goes with that kind of passion. Mm. Yeah, they have they they have their fans. It might not be you, but you know they have them, right? And you encounter them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I have yet to encounter a mad Ken Loach fan.
0: And his films are are not um, talked about in terms of their um, aesthetic greatness. They they talked about as social importance or you know how, or or what they say about society and that sort of thing. It's no one I think ever expresses their love for his visual design, his yeah. filmmaking. I'm saying, who
1: did Ratcatcher? Uh,
0: Lynn Ramsey.
1: Lynn Ramsey, because Lynn Ramsey deals with a lot of very similar kind of concerns and mm. um, people. Yeah, it's always like subplots. Yeah, and so on. She's got mad fans, and, and rightly so. Yeah. Right.
0: Um, I've not. But you see the difference. You see the difference in the filmmaking. Yeah. It's, it's the aesthetic and yeah. poetic difference.
1: Well, I would say so. But I think the only point I'm making here is that, you know, whatever the reason, it might be that, you know, she's got kind of her legions of fans that are very passionate about her cinema. And I have yet to encounter, yeah, you know, that type of engagement. With Ken Lodge.
0: yeah, it it may it um I mean I it say, may exist, but I've been saying that it's it's you know, a filmmaking aesthetic thing. I think there may be some truth to that. It may also be that he's so um, outspoken in the press and the interviews and stuff. He's he's always got something to say. He's always trying to. And did you say it's something that you respect about him that he is so outspoken about whatever it is he's making a film about, even if it's saying like he's an issue, It's an issue that he might be new to, and suddenly acts as though he knows everything about it. He's also passionate. Mm. Um, and maybe that is saying that that a huge number of people find a turn-off. People yes. like people who rock the boat.
1: I, mean, I suppose I also think that there's a steeliness of purpose, you know, um, and a certainty of cause, yeah, about the oppression of working-class people and the voices and so on, that to me also limit his understanding of people yeah that kind of you never get a sense so it's a weird thing because he often uses real people they speak in kind of you know in ways that kind of you understand as being from that class and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth but actually the representation always seems not complex enough yeah to be people yeah the kind of people are much more contradictory and
0: Yeah, everyone's representing something in the films. They're not. They they very rarely come across as as people really rounded. They represent a class or an age or a location or whatever it might Mm. be. Yeah, and they do here. I think throughout.
1: The other thing that I thought was very nice about this film, just to turn the tables a little bit, I really liked that there was no sex in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah that, you know, you could imagine some other filmmaker turning the story of this pub owner and the Syrian refugee into a romance. Mm. Or, you know, um, so I was glad that there wasn't. Though to to make, to return back to my earlier point about, to me, not showing a real understanding of people, I um, I liked that there was no Sex or romance in it? I didn't like that it wasn't brought up.
0: It's it's brought up just the once when the the one uh regular accuses, accuses him and saying, Well, you, I bet you're fucking back there. And, yeah, and as if it was it. something horrible.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, was I mean, you know, it might have been very very ordinary and simple for this babano to find her attractive you know, but maybe too young, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, you know. You of... The same
0: thing in I, Daniel Blake, though, because it was that, that Daniel Blake um, becomes friends with this uh, sort of younger than him, single mother, I think, um, and she, you know, um, it's going to the food bank and crying, so, and they basically become friends, but it's the same thing. It's, there's no sex in there, and I think he's got an ex-wife in there, or maybe, a, I think he might be a widower here. Um, TJ is divorced. Mm. There's a similar thing going on, older man, younger woman, helping each other out, developing a friendship, but sex sex is going to be nowhere near it and it's not even thought of as a possibility. And one of the reasons is, is this form of relationship, form of love that the um, older half has. Mm. Um, I mean, I see that as kind of formula, mm. you know? Mm.
1: Ken Loach is always one of those filmmakers that I wish I liked more.
0: yeah
1: you know know, they kind of you know uh you i've seen almost all of them certainly since the 90s you know and i'm glad i've seen them and and some of them you know have really worked on me um but i wish i'd like them more you know
0: i think this is his most likable film for a while um it's the one that i have enjoyed watching the most I, there are things that I like seeing. I like performances, for one thing, which we haven't mentioned. And I'm sure that so many of the actors here, I think you can tell, are non-professional, and mm. some of them are quite stilted. But uh, particularly the the main two actors, whether they are professional, semi-pro or not, I don't know. Um, Dave Turner plays TJ, and uh, Eblomari plays Yara. The two of them are really good.
1: I, I mean, I, th- I thought that uh, Yara was very charismatic. I didn't particularly think, you know, that... She was good. I thought she was kind of like a, a welcome presence. Sure. Okay. But uh, Dave
0: Turner, I think especially, I think he's, he's I, I gives thought, a much better performance than I maybe expected. I, okay. I I liked him.
1: I liked his childhood friend, the actor who played his childhood friend.
0: Uh, Trevor Fox plays Charlie. Yeah.
1: I kind of, you know, I thought he was, yeah I thought he was very good. I um, thought he had
0: an interesting presence. I didn't think he was a very good actor. Oh, I um, thought
1: he was like, I felt that I understood what he was thinking.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. He tells you what he's thinking all the time. No,
1: no, <laughs> no, that's not the case. I mean, that's why he <laughs> stood out for me, because he opens the door, right, mm. and you get a sense of what he's, think- of what he's thinking.
0: Sure, yeah. Uh, Although there was one point, point, there was a guy at the back of the cinema, and it was quite a full cinema, we should say. Yes. Um, uh, full of uh, Twinkly wrinkles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mike was the youngest person there. By and by. By <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> But there was there was someone towards back of the cinema on the left. You must have heard them as well yes. giggling through some of the film. And I thought, and and sometimes I thought he was laughing at the jokes, and sometimes I thought he was laughing at the was laughing at the film. Yeah. And I thought that quite. I think he was doing both. Yeah, um, but he. I think the first point at which he laughed was early on when the regulars were in the pub and Charlie is talking about having lived here for so long and four years old and that his his house is. Only worth eight grand, and he's paid five times that years ago. And mm-hmm. how's he ever going to leave And he, and then he kind of breaks down, and 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 I think what that guy was responding to was that that wasn't a great bit of performance. And I thought the same thing. It was. Oh
1: no! You see, I thought it, he was very good. I mean, I thought the guy because the guy did laugh, but I thought he was laughing at the idea of a British person in a pub breaking down like that without being legless.
0: That might be the case as well. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but um, but the thing I found interesting about his presence. I mean, I think it comes down to his glasses. He's got a nice set of specs on it. And there's something about that. that He looks like an architect, right? And and it makes him stand out amongst basically everyone else that you see who looks more sort of down and out. He kind of doesn't. And I'm not saying like he's secretly wealthy or something, but there's just something about his look that separates him. There's something kind of more refined about him. But you
1: see, I like that. I mean, one of my criticisms about British cinema has been that British cinema is so anti-working-class that it can't imagine working-class people being beautiful. (laughs) Right? So, you know, kind of you always have like, uh, you know, in in films, like, you know, working-classness goes with a particular look, Mm. right? And it's not the same look, right? And so here we're not talking about culture or voice or whatever, yeah? So kind of you can have someone who looks like Vivian Lee or, you know, Gene Simmons or whatever as like a middle class or upper class or aristocrat or none, right? Mm. But kind of, you know, uh uh when you have like working class people, it's always, you know, yeah other actors. So I thought of here it was very interesting because, you know, he's a very handsome man. Yeah. I think it's partly what you're referring to. And why can't you be handsome? and working class right like it's yeah absurd. and
0: kind of stylish it's it's yeah. i mean there's an element of it stylish, how he
1: chooses to stylish dress. with cheap clothes yeah like he was wearing ordinary clothes yeah. but there yeah, is something but, about
0: him it's funny oh. he's he's a, i suppose he's the one thing in the film that to some extent doesn't fit exactly the mold that that you are expecting from this everyone else is dressed and looks the way you expect to look they're kind of hangdog or they're old and they're yeah unshaven or whatever it might be um but but not him and and actually in this film that really stands out. To me. But I like
1: that because you also get the sense he's somebody who's worked all his life, who's done the right thing, who's bought his house. Yeah. You know, he's got a he's got a a, a child in a wheelchair, right? Like yeah, so kind of I think to me the kind of look kind of went with yeah. a respectable working class, you know, person, but who was also tall and slim and good looking.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and why shouldn't he be?
0: Yeah. So, like I said, I think I think it's a film of of Ken Loach's that I've enjoyed the most. Um, but it's also the one that I find the least challenging, as you say. It t- doesn't have a word to say that you don't expect or haven't heard before, mm. and it, and all the lessons that it's teaching you are lessons that you're well aware of. The you know. Yeah. Um, at, whereas. And I think I probably thought more or less the same thing about I, Daniel Blake, although I, Daniel Blake had a very evocative sense of just how crushing the Tory benefit system was. Yeah, it really no, evoked that. I, I
1: like that. Um,
0: and sorry we missed you. Um, I remember that... Again, I remember I remember getting quite a vivid... or will have to listen back to the podcast to see what I really thought. But I seem to remember getting quite a vivid sense of of again just the, the crushing effect of the gig economy and how hard it is to find and keep work and that sort of thing. Yes, I think I had mixed feelings family.
1: about that, but overall, yeah, I agree with that.
0: And I suppose here um what is crushing about about life for um the locals is more um vague. It's not really the focus of this. Um I think the we get the thing about house prices are Dreadful, and everyone's in negative equity, and um, there are no pre- jobs. They're pretty stuffed. There are no jobs, and people are um, hungry. But actually, the m- most concrete stuff we get, I think, is the stuff about their parents. That the they kind of, in a sense, people are living on the backs of the memories of the minor strike. I mean, that's what their dads were involved in. They would have been kids at the time.
1: I know. I mm. thought that was rather that was a bit. Uh, Either false or out of touch, by the way. Mm. You know, because the miners strike is the 80s, right? I mean, it was 40 years ago, mm-hmm. right? There's been a lot of crisis since. Yeah. You know, kind of... Well,
0: I, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe this is me also having a bit of stereotype about North as well. Then That didn't strike me as false. If anything, it struck me as a kind of minor criticism. Of, or It could have, been, could have been a minor criticism of the way in which um, kind of former um, mining communities um, think... Because there is a lot of remembering how hard it was at the time and and never having, you know, like celebrating when Thatcher died and so on. Yeah. It's not something that's ever gone away. And there are good reasons.
1: Your father was a scab, says one about the other (laughs) at some point. Yeah. You know. um, And there are
0: good reasons to never forget that. Okay, I take that
1: back because actually, you know, I think someone my age, you know, who was 60, 40 years ago would have been 20 and so would remember their parents working in a pit or you know might have worked in a pit themselves i just thought it was so long ago you know so it's one of those things that becomes a reference point in the culture but that almost becomes a cliched reference point in the culture that there have been so many other crises and hard times and cutbacks and austerity and yeah you know since then that you know you wonder why there's such a, a large part in the in the British imaginary, but maybe it has that larger part. It deserves to have that larger part because of the way the country was transformed. So, I mean,
0: deserves uh, or not is, is not an, is another point, but I think it definitely does have that place. It's, yeah. it's still something that, that people, people remember, um, very vividly and, and live with those memories and that sort of thing. And like I say, I, I think you don't need to look any further than, than the response to Margaret Thatcher's death. Yeah. Um, in, yeah, you know, well, I mean, all across the country, really, but particularly in, um, mining communities there's kind of there was a lot of there was there was some joy and there was anger and despair and just it brought up all those memories vividly because all of a sudden the figurehead of it had mm-hmm. um you know the figurehead of the thing that had defined and changed so much of their lives was was gone that was kind of a mess i remember that quite vividly actually that day not that i have any particular connection to mining or anything i don't but i just i remember that 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 day was it was mm-hmm. um the one last thing I wanted to point out before we go is I like the minor sort of sub-focus that the film has on image-making. That's something that's powerful. starts exactly. off with this with these photos from the bus, ends with, or close to the end, is another montage of photos that Yara has been taking that she's got a camera back, which, again, is a little bit of a phony scene, but it's important that the film sees her phot- photography and portraiture of the place as important and, I, and, and her introduction to that back room comes through looking at those photos.
1: I thought that was very badly done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like the idea, but I don't like the way it was done. I mean, I think, first of all, the um, we should have seen more of the photos uh, and the effect that they had of the people in the beauty salon and, and mm. so on. Uh, and it should not have taken place in the pub or wherever it took place, like right, That whole scene where the The it was in that back room. Yeah, where there, those photos are being projected, you know, and the Syrian music is being played. I thought that was, like, uh, phony, you know, because right now what you do is, like, you put them online or, you know, you do a video montage of it with music or it would circulate to people in different ways. The idea of people in a hall watching those photos... Yeah, I kind of, I didn't get, also, I didn't like the photos and I didn't like what they represented. Like, you know, the idea of those photos is that they give back an image of themselves to the subjects. Mm. Yeah, that is somehow transformative. That is not what it was before. And I think that idea is very badly conveyed.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I
0: mean, agree with all that. I like the idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, I, I do think paradoxically, that, you know, kind of when a Ken Loach film is showing, and this is maybe why I dragged you to it, one should go see it. You didn't uh, drag me. Okay, good. I was good. happy to go see it. Uh, so, so I do recommend that people go see it, even though... I
0: think you're the one who felt dragged. You dragged yourself.
1: Okay, I dragged, <laughs> I did. I dragged myself uh, to see the film. And actually, I wish lots of other people would also drag themselves to see the film, because it, kind of, it does make you think about all of these things that we've been talking about today, and it's interesting to talk about, I think yeah alright uh, so uh, thank you all very much for listening we are eavesdropping at the movies and
0: we are on Apple Podcasts Audible Google Podcasts Spotify SoundCloud and YouTube uh, on social media we're on Facebook and Twitter um, or X mm. or whatever it becomes next week um, at Eavesdrop movies blue sky eavesdropping uh, eavesdropping dot b sky dot social and the website is eavesdropping at the dot com thank you very much bye bye <laughs>